Have you ever been around someone that is so overtly negative that it made you cringe just to be in the same room with them? It's that person that you see in the break area at work and you turn around and go back to your desk. You see them walking down the hall and you try not to make eye contact. And if they start a conversation, you're quick to come up with excuses to get back to what you were doing. We have all been there. So why is it that we are so glued to the news media when 90% of all news reports are negative? And why are we so enamored with social media when much of that is negative and has a negative impact on our lives? Well, today I am going to bring you good news and that good news is in the form of the Green Country of the Month. Welcome to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. Your host has lived an off-grid, sustainable lifestyle for over 20 years. His homestead is run on solar energy. He has an earth shelter greenhouse and produces much of his own food. And all of this takes place in the middle of the forest in Colorado. Now, let's join Patrick, the man that not only teaches the skills of sustainable living, but lives that life every day. Welcome back, everyone, to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. This is your host, Patrick, and this is episode 141, which is called Green Country of the Month. Now, this episode, folks, I am going to bring you good news because good news helps us all to be in a better mood and actually improves our mental health. But that good news, of course, is focused on the topic of sustainability. So at some point in time, we have all experienced co-workers, family members, and employers, and maybe even strangers who are so overtly negative that it is difficult to be around them. And sooner or later, you start to avoid them because it puts you in a bad mood. But yet, when we go home, we turn on the television or we surf the web and 90% of the news we see is bad, yet we continue to watch it. So why is that? Well, the underlying problem isn't that there's so many bad things happening around the world, but that our brains are actually wired to pay attention to unpleasant news. And psychologists call, call this the negativity bias, and it is in fact one of the first things we develop as children. And while this bias may have actually helped our ancestors pay more attention to potentially life-threatening events, in our modern culture it's actually getting in the way of our happiness and well-being. We are constantly bombarded with bad news from around the world that we all start to think the entire world is just one big, bad, dangerous place. And on top of that, we constantly hear about the effects of climate change, adverse weather events, and one disaster after another. And sooner or later, we start to feel as if the world is really falling apart around us and that there is no safe place. You know, years ago, one of my coworkers came up with a really funny nickname for me because I just seemed to be in a good mood all the time. 
And I'm happy to say that 20 years after working with that person, I'm still in a good mood most of the time because it just seems to be a part of my personality. So I started wondering if I bring that out in the podcast. And so I did a quick scan over my podcast episodes and decided that about 20 episodes out of 140 were completely focused on how bad we are as humans. So I guess if the podcast is a reflection of my personality, then I guess I am negative 14% of the time and positive 86% of the time. So that's really not too bad. But today I am going to focus on some good news. And this is because regularly consuming good news increases our trust and our hope in mankind. And it makes us happier and optimistic. And it actually has positive health benefits. So today, at least according to my most recent research, I am here to tell you that the world in fact is not falling apart and it may actually be getting better. I truly cannot tell you how much it pleases me when I start doing some research and I find people and governments that are making headway on our environmental issues. And that is the focus of this episode. I want to give a good report, and that report is focused on the green country of the month. And you know, I'm always amazed when my home country, which is the United States, touts itself as being one of the most progressive countries in the world, but the reality is that we truly lag behind the rest of the world in so many ways, especially when it comes to green initiatives, renewable energy, and the reduction of our CO2 emissions. But frequently, I take the time to research what other countries are doing in that respect, and frequently, I find that European countries in general are far more progressive than many other folks around the world. And that's why I'm so fascinated with this concept of Green Country of the Month. And this is simply a recognition for European countries that are making a substantial contribution for the climate, nature, and the environment. And Green Country of the Month, in case you are interested, is published by Euronews Green, and they can be found at euronews.com. So it is, in fact, interesting to note that many countries across Europe are making fantastic focused efforts at averting the worst effects of climate change, but the friendly race has developed into a healthy rivalry. But a victory won by one country is still a victory for all of us, and perhaps by taking a hard look at what other countries are accomplishing, it will also put pressure on politicians in other nations to do even more. So the interesting part about Europe is that each country, of course, has its own unique natural resources. And for example, Iceland has an overabundance of geothermal energy and other countries have the advantage as far as wind and solar. And Austria certainly deserves a standing ovation. 
Because as of 2021, 71% of their electricity is generated from renewables. And because the country has mountains and numerous rivers and high rainfall, hydropower makes up a substantial portion of that renewable energy market. But Austria has also built more solar panels in the last three years than they have over the last 20 years. And according to the Federal Ministry of Climate Action, their goal is to produce 100% of their electricity from renewables by 2030 and be carbon neutral by 2040. And yet Austria is also taking a number of other initiatives. They have implemented carbon taxes, which increase incrementally through 2026. And what this is, it is essentially an upstream tax on production and importation of products such as petrol, diesel, heating oil, coal, and natural gas. But however, the government is still keeping the average citizen in mind because they implemented what's called a Clima Bonus. Which, what this does is that it encourages climate-friendly behavior. And this Clima Bonus more than makes up for the carbon taxes so in the end, it is actually the people and the environment that wins because such policies promote sustainable behavior. So Austria has also been a pioneer in public transportation because they implemented what's called a climate ticket, which is essentially a yearly public transportation ticket that is valid throughout the entire country and Austrians have already demonstrated a change in their mobility habits because they're shifting more and more to public transportation. And Austria also has many other things in the works. And consequently, it is not amazing that this little nation won the European Green Country of the Month. And I also want to mention the little country of Denmark because last year Denmark had the highest share of renewables in their electricity mix when compared to 78 different countries. And Denmark is also committed to reducing their emissions by 70% by the year 2030. And while most other European countries have only committed to 55%. But Denmark also has plans to double their offshore wind area which would increase capacity almost fivefold. And this would provide green electricity equivalent to 10 million homes. But Denmark also stands out in another very, very unique area because it's one of the few countries that have passed the United Nations target to give 0.7% of gross national income in foreign aid to help poor countries battle climate change. And additionally, Denmark has a number of other projects going on around the globe. For example, helping India to cleanse the polluted Ganges River through a water purification project. Now, what about what is going on at home here in the United States? The last data that I reviewed said that Despite the enormous resources that the U.S. possesses, 
we still rank 25th in the world as far as the amount of green energy produced per person. But on the other side of the coin, despite this poor report card, the U.S. is actually making significant progress, and we have finally reached the point where renewables account for 25% of our electricity production. But maybe what we should be doing in the U.S. is copying the example that we see in the European countries. And maybe we should foster a friendly competition by having an award that's called the Green State of the Month. And yet already there are 11 states that have committed to 100% renewable energy. For example, the Minnesota governor signed a clean energy bill that requires the state's utility providers to get 100% of their electricity from carbon-free sources by 2040. The state of Rhode Island has committed to 100% renewables by 2033, and New York and Connecticut have plans to, in place to assure 100% renewables by 2040. In California, Hawaii, New Mexico, and Washington have set their goal on the year 2045. And of course, all of this would not be possible without advocacy and support from the common citizen. So more or less what is starting to emerge here is the first clear roadmap to a clean energy future. Because I think many people as well as numerous governments are starting to realize that yes we can power ourselves with 100% renewable energy. And perhaps by looking at what these states are doing we can learn some lessons for a future that is powered by 100% clean energy. And certainly, all of these countries in the European Union are setting a perfect example. Because we already know, we've known for a long time that the U.S. can actually power the entire country with 100% renewables several times over. And this is simply because of our tremendous national resources. But, this, but despite the fact that we are lagging way behind, we can at least say that we are producing three times more renewable electricity than we did back in 2012. But we also know that the adoption of renewable energy continues to exceed the expectations of most experts. And what is also amazing is that solar, wind, and other sources are providing 75% of new energy production. However, we do have quite a long way to go. And despite that, there are ways that we can speed along our transition. Because states should be encouraging the adoption of solar instead of cutting incentives to homeowners, similar to what's going on in California. And homeowners should also be fairly compensated for their contribution to grid power due to the production of excess electricity from their home renewable systems. And additionally, state governments should reduce the amount of red tape that developers have to wade through in order to implement renewable energy projects. And one other very important factor related to all of that red tape is that state and local governments 
as well as renewable energy developers have to pay close attention to all the locally based social and economic issues that arise due to the opposition of renewable energy projects. And this is because local opposition to these renewable projects has resulted in the cancellation of nearly 50% of those projects over a 10-year period. But the good news here is that we know a 100% clean energy future is possible. We just have to use all of our knowledge and technology and our national financial assets to make it happen. However, there is still going to be some resistance from big business and even government. And we also need to pay close attention to all of those underlying social and economic aspects of such development. But despite all the opposition in our country to the development of renewables, I often wonder if having ease and convenience is really worth risking the future of our planet, or if it isn't time to embrace the change. Because I truly believe that changes are coming whether you like it or not, and I chose to run my life off of renewables before someone tells me I don't have a choice. So the next time that you get discouraged about the condition of the world, then think about this podcast episode. A sustainable future is within our reach, and even today, we have the knowledge and the technology to make it happen. And despite all the bad news we hear about every day, there are actually thousands, if not millions of people working in the background to make the world a better place and to make certain we have a sustainable future. So the next time you have to deal with someone that is so overtly negative that it makes you cringe, then look them right in the eye and say something positive and remind them that the world is not coming to an end, but a renewable energy future is just the beginning. So, well, folks, I think that is about it for this episode. And I hope this episode has brought you just a little bit of good news. And if you like what I am producing, then please take the time to leave me with a review and perhaps even subscribe to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast, as well as my companion blog, Off Grid Living News. So that's it for this week, folks. Um, I hope you have a fantastic week and I will see you soon. Always remember to live sustainably because this is how we build a better future.